Howdy, neighbors, and welcome back to Wookiee Prisoner Time, where we're the Wookiees and you're the prisoners. I'm Brendan Harney. And I'm Tim Signorelli. And I'm Sean Bujnowski. And we're finally back, surprisingly. How are we feeling, guys? It's been long enough. Ben, yeah. I think today is officially a month. Too long. A long yeah, extended only, break. Only half a season of Mandalorian <laughs> before we finally made an episode on it. Go ahead. Better, uh, better late than never, right? Gotta make yeah. the fans uh, sweat it out a little bit, you know? Or long way to return. But yeah, we've had a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of content come out. So there's there's much to talk about. Seriously. So we we've been kind of going back and forth on what exactly this episode's going to be. I think we kind of settled that it's going to be Mandalorian related, but we're just kind of going to wing it. We just watched chapter 20 and we'll start there and then kind of take it take it from there. Yeah. Like so, um I'd say definitely say, like, obviously we'll talk about what we just saw, Chapter 20, but like we mentioned up top, it's been a while since we last were on here. So we'll, uh, you know, talk about any of the highlights from the first couple episodes that we liked. And, um, yeah, I guess overall picture of how Mando's going so far. It feels like, I mean, we just mentioned before we got we're halfway through, but it feels like we just started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Which for sure. Nuts. I felt yeah. a little bit of a dread when I realized that we were halfway through and we only have four weeks left i mean that didn't dawn on me until you actually said it you know yeah. i always forget that these seasons are so short just in terms of like an episode you know length. so you yeah just like... and then and then we only get eight at least for mando right so it's just over so quickly yeah i mean like we've been been busy away from it from a little bit there's just so much that we want to talk about you know we got the Bad Batch finale next week, which we'll probably, you know, chat on. Ball and Order coming out, and now we're here halfway through season three. So it's like there's so much to, to dissect. But I, I think we agreed this will just be – we'll start with maybe, like, what our gut reaction was <clears throat> so far, you know, to this episode, uh, and then kind of take it from there. Is that is that what we had in mind? Are we talking this episode first or overall season thoughts first? Why don't, you, why don't you take us through like what we just witnessed in, in episode four, or I guess 20? I think Bujo's better at the uh, summaries than me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, let's just go through it. So chapter 20 was uh, entitled The Foundling, right? So I feel like we had some ideas coming in that it might be a little Grogu-centered with a little flashback maybe, which we did end up getting, um, but... Also, clearly at the uh, forefront of this episode was another one of the Mandalorian foundlings who gets uh, gets taken away by a dragon beast on this planet full of creatures and monsters. Um, so we have some of the, the Mandalorian covert has to go rescue the other foundling. But, you know, I feel like it ties to Grogu's story really well about, you know, protecting the foundling like Din had all those times and and really ties into what uh, what this group of Mandos is all about. So I feel like that's the general gist of this episode. I'll just uh, go ahead and say I really enjoyed this one. It was maybe my favorite of the season so far. But what do you guys think overall? I mean, you can't you can't talk enough about the Grogu flashbacks, which we'll get into. 
but I think just like the, this episode was a good example of like the tone overall for for the season. Like I feel like we went into this this season expecting Mando returning to uh, you know the waters of Mandalore to be like the end goal and getting accepted back into the clan. But like here we are, and he's already doing that. Like he's doing all the things. He's not training his own foundling to be a part of this clan. Of course, we have Bo-Katan getting into her initiation and vows too. And I just feel like this episode was a good representation of like what that culture is, what we've seen in Clone Wars, and what it, what it's going to take for this this clan to rebuild. Um, so I, I really like to see that. Yeah, I liked I liked seeing like the. I guess it would be everyday life of uh, of the covert. I mean, it's it, it's pretty much what you'd expect. They're all just kind of training and <laughs> a lot of fighting going on there. But, yeah. like, that – it's interesting to me that when we, when we first see, like, the Covert and the Children of the Watch in Season 1, it seems like they're literally only there on uh, – how am I forgetting the name of the planet? See, I told you Navarro. guys that horrible. On Navarro that they're literally just like an underground, like small group. But here you see all the different Mandalorians with like different colors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like more of uh, what I think about when it comes to like Mandalorians before yeah. the Mandalorian came out. <clears throat> so I, I like seeing their, uh, their every, their uh, day-to-day type deal. Yeah. Um, and just like going off that too, I feel like uh, just through the eyes of like Bo-Katan, right. And especially last season, like she kind of gave us this negative opinion on this covert and the children of the watch, which, you know, she knows firsthand about like, you know, children of the watch, death watch. That could be uh, some derivative of that. Right. Um, but like you said, like just taking us, taking like them, taking us through, the everyday going on of, of what they're all about, which is, you know, just training about their Mandalorian ways and saving their, saving their youth when something happens and just protecting them. Uh, I feel like it really humanized them a little bit. And, you know, I feel like even you could see Bo-Katan warming up to them in that, in that kind of sense and like how respectful they are to each other, uh, you know, if they earn it, which. Yeah. 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 I, go ahead. I was going to take a big, like, pulse on. Let's talk about, like, Bo. Like, I feel like she almost feels, like, inspired and, like, invigorated by, like, what they're doing here, you know? Like, I mean, she's seen these Mandalorian sects, like, evolve so much, you know, through the Clone Wars and Darth Maul taking over Mandalore and everything. I think she's a little, like, has a little pep in her step, like, seeing what they're becoming, like, being accepted into these these rituals and, like, seeing the potential, I mean, like, everything with the Mythosaurs, like, the potential to, to potentially lead this group, right? I mean, they captured those, like, creatures, too. Like, that felt like a little, like, nuance of, you know, now they have these, like, baby creatures that they're going to train and, like, make a part of their army and everything. Like, I think she just sees a lot of a lot of potential uh, with, with this covert, you know? Yeah, another way how uh, the whole idea of Mandalore and all the houses are is very much like uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Now she has her dragons. But <laughs> it, that's 
that's exactly where I was going to to like to talk about Bo-Katan, which has been like my favorite part of the the entire season so far. Yeah, and it's just like I think the way that they're developing her character it kind of quickly for it works because like a lot of people that haven't seen Clone Wars and stuff like that a more casual fan like <clears> even <throat> they kind of understand like where she came from now and like mm-hmm. just the way that they like show her talking about Mandalore when they go there and just the shots of her is yeah. like perfect and, and another note on that there's something about Star Wars that they can show the most emotion for a character with a helmet or mask on. And it mm-hmm. never, like, ceases to amaze me that they can, just by the camera angles and shots, that they can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of that's, like, body language, too, right? I mean, <clears throat> yeah, like, the, the actors within the helmets are doing a fantastic job. And, like, I feel like we get a lot of that from Bo, just also because she's, I feel like she's... Um, She's like the audience lens, mm-hmm. right? Coming into mm-hmm. this covert, like she's the outsider. She doesn't really know what they're about, doesn't really believe in what they're doing. But I mean, yeah, like Tim, you said, like she's kind of warming up to up to them a little bit. But I don't know about you. Like, do you guys think, I think it's still pretty clear that she definitely has her suspicions still about these uh, this group of men. I, I think she's like very, she's like a healthy skeptic. <clears throat> but I, like Brendan said, like, you know, even to the casual fan that doesn't know, like, her history, right? They clearly tee it up that she's, like, a cynic, you know, to, to what this covert is and, like, what Mandalore is now. But I, I don't know. I think she's just, like, sees an opportunity, you know, for this clan to rebuild. And because she's never really had that sense of, like, belonging and family, right? Like, even with her own sister. Like, she's never really had that familial bond. So, I don't know. I'm excited to see, like, what what she can make this covert, what their place is, like in the world mm-hmm. of the Empire. Like what she what she's gonna build this into, kind of thing. Yeah, I think I especially at the end of this past episode, how she's like she's looking to to go for it at this point. She wants to rule Mandalore again. And I think that being with them is kind of inspiring her to do that because they're just like bare bones like traditional mandalorian culture like even even before death watch these these this like covert is more like going back even before that i feel like mm-hmm. yeah i'm on board guess, with that i guess i guess the reason i bring up her like <clears throat> skepticism uh i feel like the two big scenes in this one that kind of Uh, showed that for me was the dinner scene or the campfire scene where you know like i think she likes that they're they're all respectful in a group but then like all right but now we have to go all go eat alone by ourselves Mm -hmm. she's like takes her helmet off and i feel like kind of has this look of like all right well now i'm alone again like i don't have my mandalorians with me which what she lost we found out she lost in the first step sure yeah and then, and then, kind of at the end, when she's talking about the Mythosaur to the armor, like the armor is just being really, really dismissive of like her even like possibility of her seeing that. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I feel like she just has her has her doubts. I, so. I I feel like she's just struggling a little bit to understand like the traditionalism there. So it begs the question. Like something I just thought about is where where is the dark saber? Like who has that? I feel like we didn't see it any in any place in all in this episode 
Den Den has still it. Ha- yeah, Den has it though. So Den still has it. Okay. It's interesting got- that he didn't use it though. Yeah. He hasn't used it since since Bo picked it up, actually. Now that I think about it. Yeah, right. so I'm curious like how that fits into who who will lead Mandalore, what ruling Mandalore even means going forward. Yeah. Like who else is there like spread across the galaxy and what are their beliefs? And you know would they be down to come back, basically? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's a big question. I think, um, well, she kind of said in the first episode, right? Like her squad left because she had like no path to the dark saber anymore, right? Yeah. So I feel like it'll be tough for her without it to get those people uh, back on her side. But I mean, listen, if she has a mythosaur, then <laughs> maybe that changes things. Exactly. That's like indicative of anything. Like you're riding a monster. You probably, <laughs> yeah. Or pretty good at your job. Yeah. Uh, Brendan, I know you've been, um, I feel like you've been on the Grogu Mandalore ruler train. Uh, I wouldn't say on the train, but I just have seen a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, he gets his, uh, little armor plate this episode. Yeah. That was pretty I, big. That was so cool. I, I'm, I go back and forth on that, like what I want to happen. Um, at this point... I it's it's just so hard to predict like what they actually are wanting to do with that if there is going to be someone who takes the throne or become like the Mandalore or if they just kind of get to a point where they realize that that's not the end all be all I feel like both of those things could happen but yeah if if there is someone who takes the throne I it, like the obvious answer right now is Bo but I I do think it would be Bo just because really? of the way that they're yeah i i do just just because of the way that they're they're like building her up in her character like i was talking about before i think they want like they don't want din and grogu to be directly like ruling like Mandalore the end game and all these people the end game for yeah. Yeah. Mandalore. i, mean, I'm, I'm, kind I of, think it, I'm kind of bored with that but like it, we've kind of seen that before where Sabine decides that Bo is the one who should be doing it, gives her the dark saber, and then she allegedly unites them for a certain amount of time. So I don't know if history is going to repeat itself or if they'll put a little twist on it. I'm sure there'll be some twist, but yeah, yeah, you just don't know. Yeah, I mean they they really hit on that though. You know, Grogu getting his his armor if we want to you know move over to like chatting about him in a bit but i don't yeah. know that seemed like a big note they they hit on with him and like establishing his roots and like where where he like comes from technically speaking yeah um yeah they focused a lot of time on that i think sure. i think there this might be a stretch a little bit but you had luke lecturing grogu like in the yoda style when it comes to the force and then I found a little bit of a parallel when the armorer was talking about the forge and how the forge is like the essence of what being a Mandalorian is. I kind of found like a little connection that like if you just slotted in force to what she was saying, that it was similar. So that might, that's a little connection I was making there. You, did you guys see that at all? I yes. didn't. 
I didn't in my and just but like what I was saying, I didn't really associate the two, but I like that train of thought. Definitely. And the words are pretty close, so onto something. Yeah. <laughs> for one letter. <laughs> I mean that was that was the, the big theme of, of the whole uh, Book of Boba Fett Mando episodes is like you which path are you gonna choose? But I yeah. think what we mm-hmm. were saying a lot was that like or at least I was saying at the time that I don't think it has to be black or white, that I think Grogu is going to be that guy that kind of sits in the middle in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're already showing like, like Din has said multiple times, he's like, no, nah, I, I didn't, I didn't teach him that. It was someone else. Yeah. yeah. And he's and he, like and, he, acknowledging it. And he yeah. encouraged, uh, he encouraged Grogu to use his force powers yeah. <laughs> while yeah. fighting. Right. I don't know if that was just a case of him being, um, you know, undersized or whatever, but he and he needed that advantage. But yeah, like he's I not. Could... He's not. He's not shutting it down. He's not shying away from that. Now that I think of it, I mean, I, I guess I could see that world where like Bo is the leader. Maybe Endgame, like you know, Din doesn't make it to the end of Mandalorian finale, and then like Grogu, you know, he's he's kind of like the ambassador to the the pacifist world of Mandalore but he's still like helping to rebuild like the Jedi order. So something like that. I don't know where he's kind of like that. Yeah. Like you said, the, the middle ground between the two worlds of the force and, you know, one of the biggest, well, once neutral systems in the galaxy, he's like that bridge kind of mm. or something. I don't know, but he'd have to get involved in politics though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how well he'd, he'd do in the Coruscant chambers but it's good stuff to think on um do we want to touch on like obviously what we saw with Grogu like you know his his visions there what that means for him like what do you guys think absolutely oh yeah um I'll say starting off like them setting the scene I thought was incredible um just how we go back to you know, the echoes of season one of Din having his flashbacks when the forge is going and she's making the armor, right? So we have Grogu starting the same way. And you could just like, I thought like the expression on his face was just so, I don't know, it it came right through the screen, like the emotion for me. Like you could feel how like traumatic that experience was for him. And then we got to see it unfold a little bit. But I thought they set the scene... Similar ways that we saw Din have his flashbacks. Uh, so I thought that was great. Yeah. I, I I just... First off, I wasn't expecting it. Like, she just starts hitting the mallet or the hammer or whatever, and we start getting, like, flashes of it. And I was like, holy cow, like, th- this is happening now. And yeah. maybe I was only expecting a few short flashes, but then it just kept going. And yeah. I was, I was just glued to it. I mean, we all were. But, you know, just, like, holy cow, we're, we're watching the whole... This is it. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can talk about like, uh, Kellerin. Oh God. Is that his name? Yep. Kellerin yeah. So we'll, we'll, you guys probably have some thoughts on that, but like just the other one takeaway I had is like, as tragic as it is, like, I just love recent portrayals of order 66, just like the panicked chaos. Like we see it like so tragic in Sith with the music and everything, but just like this heightened, like panic escape, like we, we see with, you know, Ahsoka, you know, we see here, we see with like Cal and Fallen Order. There's our Fallen Order shout out for the episode. But just like <laughs> these these characters just like quickly adapting, like 
what's happening? We have to get out of here. How do I find a safer place? Like, I don't know. It's super entertaining to watch. Yeah. Harney, you agree with that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm just happy that Misa Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> that was so great. <laughs> I like, oh my gosh. So, Boozer, share with us a little bit. Like, what, what's the context? It was a show that he was in? It was, it was like a short YouTube series. They did like 10 episodes or so. And yeah, like Brennan, like you said, similar to the old uh, Hidden Legend Temple, of the Temple. Temple. Legends, of the, Legends of the Hidden Temple Challenge. You've seen that, that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's early, early 90s or whatever. It seems like I, I only watched a couple seconds, but it seems like it, they might have literally were making a playoff of that. Because yeah, it has it has you know it's got the kids yeah. competing like in little game show challenges, okay. but in so, the quest to become uh, Jedi Padawans, you know. So it's uh, so, so he, Ahmed, he yeah, yeah Ahmed Best. Uh, they brought him back to be kind of like the master Jedi for those young Jedi trainees, and we see we see him come on screen in a in a Mandalorian show, which I never would have even thought would yeah. ever happened, which is That's- insane. Yeah, I mean that's awesome. Like it's a it's a cool note to the fans that like know those little like the little popcorn kernels, like Easter eggs to other areas like the of the fandom. It's like doing right by the actor, right? Because like he had some tough fallout from like his role as Jar Jar. Yep. And then it, I thought it was cool too. Like just to note, like not to say that this has been the case in the past, but like fan service, like it it wasn't that. Like I feel like we all were like, all right, who's the big Jedi that's gonna walk through the door? But like it was just, you know, an, an awesome portrayal of, you know, this character and it worked, you know, like there wasn't like a big moment that we were just like hoping would meet every single person's individual expectations, but just like a really cool scene that played out, you know, the way it did. Yeah. hundred percent. I like, I kind of especially like the, when they do these kind of things that, you know, the casual viewer who's watching the Mandalorian First of all, like, I mean, you guys had never heard of the Jedi Temple Challenge show, right? And then, but you knew, you knew it was Jar Jar. But there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who are, are going to be like, oh, it's just a Jedi who's saving him. Yeah. Um, so it, it works on multiple levels. And it's a really nice nod for, for people who know. And Layers. yeah, especially, especially what Ahmed Best, the actor, went through. Like, oh, man, I was getting, uh, I was getting choked up. Yeah, same. Yeah, good for him really it's deserved awesome. yeah i like immediately like i just had like a wave of emotion as soon as, as soon as i like computed it i was like oh my god yeah so yeah i, I completely agree with that like grogu's kind of escape story like continues or is that all that we have to take from it like appreciate it for what it is because they, they kind of were just like flying off into the to the galaxy right yeah, but I mean, no, I I think that definitely has to uh, continue. Yeah, because that's, yeah, they in the the in the Jedi, the um, the Ahsoka episode from season two, mm-hmm. how she talks about like how he he didn't tap into the dark side, but he what exactly does she say about Grogu? It was just that. Uh... I don't know. It was just a period of like sad and dark times for him, I think. Okay. Because, I mean, I assume 
that they're going to kill off. I hope, well, unfortunately, they're probably going to kill off our boy Ahmed. Yeah. And I think they will show that just to uh, kind of keep going with Ooh. Grogu's past and how that might be uh, contributing to his dark times, not just that, you know, he was involved in Order 66 and is surviving in the galaxy afterwards, but that, like some personal things happened yeah. to him. Right. Yeah. Just to chime in quick there. I, I don't know why I saved this in my notes, but it's literally what Ahsoka says to, oh. to Din. There you go. Uh, it kind of just spoke today. So he's, so she says someone took him from the temple. Then his memory becomes dark. He seemed lost alone. So it seems mm-hmm. like a little, a little more trauma or like this feeling of loneliness coming his way to, to put him in that place. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and I, mean, I mean, between where we let, leave off there and when Din finds him, I mean, how many years is that? 20, it's, it's another 20, 30, 25. Almost? Yeah. yeah. A lot of storytelling there. At least 25. It's, he's probably at his halfway point in age. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. That's wild. And, I mean, they left it so open-ended too, right? I mean, they're just going into hyperspace. So, yeah, I, I would, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that was all we saw. I mean, like, I feel like that was one of the big questions that people had. You know, like, how did Grogu get out of the temple? Like, that was definitely yeah. at the forefront of the questions. And then it kind of becomes, all right, so how do you make it out? And then where was he all that time? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they address they address the one. <laughs> like I feel so like realistically they, they, they could kind of like you said tip of the iceberg like storytelling they could fill in like a, a they could explain like a, a small chunk of his life in like an animated show you know what I mean like they could storytell for like a little bit so you're like alright at, at this point in time like here he is but we have that starting point of alright this is how he got out we know where he ends up and then just like you know fill in, in those cracks a little bit along the way Tales of the Jedi Grogu edition like honestly, <laughs> see it. Give me an animated Grogu. <laughs> it's got to feed it right? to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can see that. But oh man, I mean the whole the whole sequence was great though. Good good action and always nice to see new Coruscant in live action in new live action. Yeah, I mean speaking of action, overall in this, it's they've just come so far i feel like with the high speed action scenes yeah like i thought mm-hmm. the dog fight from the, the previous episode from 19 was maybe the best one in all of star wars that was cool that was a cool planet too so good uh backdrop and just really cool set piece watching it play out yeah. you, the one the one with the with the raptor or with the one uh Last on episode, Bo's home plan. Yeah, the the, the two uh, of them. Boca Tan's castle. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was yeah. great. And that that got blown up. But... <laughs> oh man. Yeah. yeah I Mando seeing like Mando's flying all over the place in live action is still like it, it's always a crazy sight every time every time we see it these past couple seasons. Yeah. Um. I feel. <laughs> I mean. I don't know. I. I love when they're flying in the air, but I feel like the landings are always a little like uh, a little funky looking. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah. Cause they're going so fast. And then it's like, all right, well now you got to drop safely on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's a, such a small, small thing to notice. Yeah. Um, I guess the last thing, uh, do we take a stab at the, uh, the cloning aspect and the just basically the yeah. whole chorus on episode from 19. I was thinking that might be the third Dr. Pershing third piece of the puzzle that they've been hitting on, you know, in these four episodes so far. What are your thoughts so far? Yeah. What do you got? Mr. H? Um, oh, what do I got? Um, well, first, first reactions, uh, when Persian gets to uh, the uh, what do they call it? The housing. Amnesty I get the word for it. The, yeah, the amnesty housing. Like they keep like trying to show that these people are like convincing themselves, like, oh no, it's 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 not the empire, so like it's better. Yeah. But like they make you question the whole time, like, is it better? But my, my very first observation was, they don't give them names. Yep. <laughs> and that's a very big I mean obviously it's it's on purpose but the the way that they made us care about the clones mm-hmm. in Clone Wars are giving them names and how they talked themselves about how they weren't just a number that they were they had names and personalities and they they were their own entity not just disposable clones mm-hmm. so for the new republic to treat anyone even if they are from the empire and being rehabilitated kind of shows you that that aspect to people and just politics and governments is like hard to get rid of and mm-hmm. that was kind of the the tipping point for showing this like transition period even though they're they're five six years down at this point mm-hmm. yeah um kind of established it's i mean like them that, them establishing that kind of like amnesty program in the first place i think is a really noble effort right the empire like say the empire wins right mm, that's not happening <laughs> for the yeah. empire mm-hmm. uh but I totally agree with you. Like, oh, that's just like, that's just such a misstep yeah. uh, to go that route. But and then it's just even weird that way. Like, even when they're alone, they're still introducing themselves as numbers. Like, yeah, it was, it was tough to watch. I, I, and it, uh, sorry, I didn't mean that I'm talking a lot. No, here, Tim, go for it. Go for it. But, um, wait, what was I going to say? <laughs> what the numbers you're saying? With the numbers. Um, oh, I just had it and I lost it. Go ahead, Tim. I can chime in if you want. Like, yeah, want it. yeah, I mean, I think like, like you said, Bujo, it, it's not the Empire, right? It's not like that kind of rule. I think just like what the New Republic is, is like they're trying their best and it's a little like idealistic, you know, just because you blew up the Death Star doesn't mean the galaxy is saved. Like there's a lot of work to do. So mm-hmm. I feel like they're kind of just like, blissfully ignorant about some stuff right like you have dr Pershing like walking around he's eating like a corn dog ice pop or whatever <laughs> like they're trying their best to get them like back back into society right but like there's a lot of just like underlying feelings with so you have someone like uh 
the woman, yep. the girl in it. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of people that still have a lot of resentment or loyalty to like what the empire made them. So it's like help them better acclimate and like find a place in what, what this better society is now. Um, I, sorry, I just threw out like a lot of like words from a thesaurus, but at the end of the day, like what I'm trying to say <laughs> is like, they, they just have these idealistic, like hopeful visions for what the, the new galaxy can be, but yeah. it's not perfect. And they're figuring and that not, out. And not necessarily executing that vision perfectly. Either. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Not even close. Yeah. So like, there's still some healing that has to be brought to the galaxy that they can't see. And that's how like this cloning stuff, you know, is finding its, its way through, through like the puppet masters of, of the empire's X-ray and, yeah yeah i i kind of see it the whole idea that they're like trying their best i i don't really see it that way okay i kind of see it as more of uh them trying to show that like when people come into power if you have too much power and too much control then people are going to take advantage of it and i think that was what they were trying to show in the show like, I think a lot of people were, I saw a lot of pushback on the episode and, like, on how the New Republic was portrayed and everything. And people were starting to, to go the, the Disney route and how, like, they're forced to set up the uh, the sequels and stuff. But I mm-hmm. think the important thing of all that was that, like, once episode six is over and we're like oh so now everything's perfect in the galaxy everyone's celebrating and next time we see everyone everyone's going to be in absolute bliss and there's going to be jedi everywhere and it's Mm going to be awesome i think that this was them like dave filoni and company being like that's not how this is going to be that's that's not how it works in this galaxy and there's too many too many bad people on both sides for anything to be that good yeah it's yeah, not perfect I, like they're doing good it, work like i don't think anyone's denying that like it's a much better place for the galaxy than we we left it right is it i think i mean yeah i think that's pretty undeniable but i i, I also think you can't uh i like harney i like what you said about you know the fallout or or no the hope that there would be kind of like zero fallout after Return of the Jedi, right? And after the Death yeah. Star falls. But that's just... <laughs> it's such like a non-realistic mm-hmm. view to have that everything is all, you know, flowers and roses and whatnot afterwards. Like, it's not... Yeah, it's not how things work. Yep. Um, I I mean... <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's definitely a better, a better galaxy. But, like, we've heard in the show, like, oh, the New Republic spread thin. And you know they're trying they're trying in some aspects but you know ultimately some some places are falling short yeah i, mean, I think but, it's just important and it's to, always like, the cities that fall short yeah <laughs> it's just important to remember like there's still people in the galaxy that just have loyalty like to what they built like no fault of the the new republic right like i think the mandalorian does a good job of like establishing their presence you know when din's flying around and Dave Filoni, you know, comes in an X-Wing and like tells him he's going too fast or whatever. Um, <laughs> or we see them, you know, yeah. Helping uh, the X imps like, you know, acclimate a little better. So like they're there, you know, they're, they're doing good work. 
kind of thing. But there's just people out there that, you know, maybe were like promised things or they have like a level of like authority, like Moff or something. And that mm. like the empire was like who they were. So they're doing everything in their power to like maintain that or just keep those whispers of the empire alive. Cause that's all they had, you know? Well, something I, I just, that just dawned on me that kind of supports what I was saying before, right after his speech in the beginning of that whole sequence, uh, He's talking to the politicians and the senators, and they're oh, yeah. literally—they're literally like, "Oh, Empire, New Republic." I can't even tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of shows you that, like, the people at the top, the the one percenters at the top, are like, when they don't change, then it's hard to to really make things like better. Yeah, but I'd say for a lot of the common folk, common man, yeah. Things are better. I mean, l- listen, we saw in Andor um, recently, right? Even even those top senators and politicians at Mothma's gatherings and like, you know, they didn't care that the Empire was in power. It didn't like mm. matter to them. So like yeah. you said, like, it's not going to matter for that one, that top 1% anyway. Yeah. And that's um, before they, but like, they yeah. dissolve the Senate at, at a certain point, right? Uh, they don't officially do that until A New Hope. Okay. Yeah, because like, I mean, the Empire, like, oh, she's a member of the Senate. Right. The Empire was literally taking Wookiees as prisoners. So like, it, it, <laughs> oh can't my. Get, it can't get much worse than that, right? Don't forget, we are the Wookiees and the <laughs> listeners are the prisoners. Oh my so god, we're just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap, guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. but no. I guess, I guess from here, uh, like, I guess, you know, what are we expecting in the last half of the season? Any, uh, like, closing predictions? I mean, you're the prediction, man. I know. You have have a prediction. I love to speculate. Sometimes I go off the rails. I got to get the picture of me as uh, Charlie Day and the maps behind me. (laughs) Head photoshopped on that. But I don't know. I think, so we talked about Bo and her role, uh, her influence on Mandalore. Talked about the New Republic. We talked about Grogu. Let's just close out with the man of the show uh, in the title, The Mandalorian. Like, I think just in closing, like, you know, again, like I said at the beginning, we kind of thought that getting to the mines and redeeming into Mandalore was going to be the end goal. But it's not, yeah. right? Like, we that yeah, happened yeah. in episode two. So I feel like we were just like, where does he go from here? Mm. So, like, he's not fighting in the New uh, like on board with the the covert kind of doing their own thing and then i think he's like you know seeing grogu choose his own path so i think he's gonna like fully support that and be there for him and like you know the whole the motifs of like him being a dad we're gonna keep seeing that through the rest of the the show um but i don't know it seems like those things are kind of falling into place and it's like he started as a bounty hunter like look how far he's come um it, it's tough to like put put in answers to what his his end game is with this season but i don't know it seems like everything is kind of falling into place right now and maybe yeah. that's a bad thing i don't know mm. what do you, what do you yeah. guys think i think uh a good a good thing to look forward to i think is that maybe this is just the way that i've been watching it because i i have an investment in bo as a character but 
we haven't really seen much development in Din. Yeah. Since the season has started. We've seen him go into the 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 mines and everything and bathe in the waters. But you haven't really seen like those shots that I was talking about. You haven't seen a lot of those from Din. You've seen a lot of him like living through Grogu at this point and like yeah. he's kind of found his purpose in that. But I think kind of going off what you were saying, Tim, that something in terms of him might have to go off the rails in order for uh, then we get a little more focus on the the title of the show, The Mandalorian. Yeah. And what? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to make any bold predictions on what's going to happen, but I think that something like that will happen and then the focus will shift like almost solely back to him and yeah. he'll be the one that affects everything else around him instead of the yeah. other way around. That's a great point. Um, I'm just going to say one more thing, Bujo, and then take yeah, the yeah, rings. But I just noticed that we, we have not had that moment with Carson Teva in the trailer where he's like, this is going to get out of your hands. We haven't had that yet. So I think you're right. Something big is coming. I don't know what it is, but yeah. I just forgot about that piece. Of Good call. Little, little ominous warning coming. Good call. I was going to bring that up in a bit, but you beat me to the punch. <laughs> um Touching on Din, uh, I kind of I, I kind of agree with you. I'm like, this is pretty open ended for where he's going this season. I think it could really go anywhere. Um, as far as like his progression this season goes, I think one of the main things that I've like liked has been his kind of like you know fatherly moments with Grogu that we've kind of gotten in each episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say that's the biggest thing for him thus far. But, I mean, going back to how we kind of started this episode, Arnie mentioned it, I think, like, and we talked about it this whole time, but, like, it kind of just seems like Bo-Katan is our main character this season. Yes, um, I, I'm glad you agree with and that. And I, I don't, I don't I necessarily – I know, like, I, you know, the show is called The Mandalorian, but I think we also have to remember, like, that doesn't necessarily mean – it's all and only about Din. Like, this is kind of our just time through the galaxy. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, even last episode, we spent that whole chunk away from, away from them. And even when we were with them, it was a lot about Bo-Katan uh, as well. And yeah. um, like you said, the, those contemplative, like, shots and her, th- and, like, you know, where she's really thinking about things have been her, not so much, mm-hmm. uh, not so much Din. So... I mean, I still think something like you know something big will happen for him, but I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of continue to focus on Bo-Katan and and her thoughts about Mandalore and and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And then uh, I guess I'll add on to that, Tim. Like you said, like with Carson Teva and the New Republic, I think we'll get more of that and uh, and Pershing, and then uh, I think Moff Gideon will come into play at some point. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got to be. Oh, I guess so we never we never we never got to the clone stuff. Yeah, definitely I mean, something to do with uh, uh, whatever her face is. I don't know her name either. Ellie and Kane. The yeah, yeah. last week. Yeah. So I, I I think we'll go back there with with Pershing, Kane, and Gideon in some in some form. But I mean, yeah. other than that, yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. Yeah, we'll see. Probably more episodes with uh, the Mandalorian and. Ellie, I mean, Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> Bad joke. 
Oh God. Daddy Pascal. <laughs> yeah. He is daddy. All right, you Not guys have uh, anything else? I don't know. I think I'm, <laughs> I've been uh, exhausted of my thoughts. I feel like we, we covered That's a lot. Good. For, for half a season, not too shabby. <clears throat> we did cover a lot. Yeah, not too, not too shabby. Arnie, you want, to, uh, <laughs> you want to take us out here? Send us home? Send us off. Absolutely. Uh, guys, History of Mandalore episode coming this week. Woo. Wow. Bold. <laughs> <laughs> about time it's in the works it's in the works but we hope to see you then all right may the force be with you always peace yeah nice